This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Thursday, everyone. We're going to be going live with Carolyn Prevo. She is the 12th fittest female on earth. I have actually competed against her, and I can tell you that she is extremely, extremely fit. Um, She's also a pro women's hockey player and a teacher, so she's balancing so many things, so I'm really excited to have her on. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I'm so excited to uh, chat and catch up because you seem like you've been doing a ton of stuff over the quarantine. I have been. <laughs> it's been, it's been a less busy quarantine. It's weird. Um, I haven't minded the schedule, but. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been like, yeah, I think for everyone, it's been totally different changes. Everyone I speak to, it's either been busier or less busy. It's, I think it's really different for everyone, which is very unique in the sense that, you know, a lot of things affect everyone the same, especially in the sport, but I think it's been game changer for everybody at different playing fields. Yeah, like I've had, so for school, actually just finished teaching last Friday was my last day. So now I'm officially on my summer this whole week is like my first week of, I guess, full-time athlete and not being a teacher. Um, <laughs> but it was just like a transition going from going to school and driving and commuting to work and, and doing all that to virtual teaching and then they cut our schedule almost like like in half you weren't teaching nearly as many hours as you were in school like students were only I was only seeing my students two hours a week uh, and then on top of that you were like allowed to give them one hour of homework so like three hours of school work per subject which is like way less than you normally see them so that was an adjustment but sport oh, yeah. wise I was actually able to gain a lot more time in my training and train more so yeah well there's plus and minuses that's good I felt almost the same I've been dealing with a shoulder injury for like a year I guess and uh yeah I I took a lot of last the half latter half of last year off and then when quarantine happened all of a sudden I was like you know what like I have this time let's get back into training just even from home and using a dumbbell and yeah it was good to have that time to just like reconnect and you know fill it in with training and different activities yeah, like with no with nothing going on right now, I guess if there's a time to kind of take care of your body and and do the things that you nor- don't normally do, like this is the time to do it and kind of re- reset your your schedule and your body and just everything. So yeah. for, for a lot of people, this has been good. For a lot of people, it's been extremely hard. Um, and I think just like understanding where everyone's coming from and uh, yeah, using the time that we have wisely, I guess, right now. Totally, totally. So if anyone's joining and they don't know who Carolyn is, uh, she's the 12th fittest on earth last year in 2019, 12th fittest female uh, at the CrossFit Games, and she's a pro hockey player, uh, pro female hockey player, which is really cool. I grew up playing hockey, so we're definitely going to chat about that and the whole female and sport aspect later, later on. And you're also a teacher. So like you just mentioned, it's been kind of a, a crazy quarantine with different things, especially with teaching. Um, how do you manage all of these things that you do on a normal day? Like apart from quarantine, when things are normal and you do have all those teaching hours, how do you manage everything? Uh, I mean, my schedule ha- like literally hasn't changed since I was like a little girl. You know, you go to school and then in the evening you have all the sports that you play. That's and true. Yeah. Now it's the same schedule, but I just am a teacher instead of being a student. And then my evening is usually jam-packed with sports. So it's about really maximizing my time when I'm at work or when I was young, maximizing my time when I was at school and trying to get as much done there. 
so that I can buy myself time in the evening to work on whatever else I need to do. But it's, it's just like prioritizing my day and like, what's the most important thing that needs to get done today? And then maybe some stuff that just isn't as important or I'm okay with just kind of pushing it off and then just kind of, yeah, like prioritizing your day and um, just getting to stuff. But yeah, it's my cell phone helps me a lot. Like I'm very good at like putting stuff in my calendar right away. When I get an email, it's like I have to reply to it right away or else out of sight, out of mind. Um, Constant reminders on my phone, like on my calendars of like, just different appointments I'll have or things that are due. But yeah, it's just, just time management skills that I've just kind of acquired growing up in sports and managing, you know, being a high level athlete and, and trying to do well in school. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. That's a really cool concept that I never thought of. That basically, yeah, your schedule hasn't changed since you were, you know, a student yourself and then going into being a teacher. That, yeah. yeah, I really like that. That must be actually a really cool feeling. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah. do, you ever, do you ever get bored of the same routine? No, I think the kids keep me on my toes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I think I, I, I like routine. I like um, just having a schedule. I find that during my summer, I mean, right now I get to train full time, which is nice. I'm not complaining at all. But I actually prefer to be busy. Like, I like it when I'm physically busy or if I'm not physically busy, I want my mind to be busy. Um, and I, like, I enjoy that part. So, yeah, it's just busy like that and just kind of, adjusting my day <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense i just saw a comment go past a couple minutes ago from kate and she said that imagine having the 12th fittest on earth as your teacher what do your students think about all this well we don't really like, talk about it too too much but like they know that like, i'm athletic like in any of those classes that i have like i i teach math science and a phys ed typically every semester um but so, like some of my students follow me on instagram so they ask me about my competitions and stuff like that but like for the most part um like I try not to talk too much about like my life and but I'm just trying to be a good example for them and kind of guide them like the right way and, and what I want to kind of you know te teach them but uh, I, I think it's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that would be super cool I remember actually growing up we had one teacher in our high school most of our phys ed teachers actually growing up like knew nothing about sports I, I got in trouble one day because I was arguing the rules. And so she asked me to teach the gym class. And I was like, okay, <laughs> because she didn't know the rules to one of the sports. But so it must be so cool, like to have someone who actually knows all the sports in and out as a teacher and just being a role model, especially even for the young girls in, in your classes. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, like a, a lot of the girls have actually had conversations with me in the past two years. And they were like, you know what? Like when we had a male gym class teacher and they would tell us what to do, we didn't want to do it. But when they know that a female is teaching it and that I'm teaching stuff that I can do also, and they see that a girl can do it, they're like, well, maybe I can do it too. And like, I have no problem with girls participating in any of my classes, like ever. Um, or, or even adding like a girls gym class next year, which is gonna be awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that kind of connection that I have with the young girls is good. Um, you know, just to kind of lead them and, and get them to be physically active. Because in high school, a lot of them stop being physically active because there's, for female sports in general, there's not, there's not much, you know, avenue in terms of a professional um, career that you can do in sports. So a lot of them quit their sports and start concentrating on school or getting a job and they're just not physically active. So it's just trying to get them to keep 
playing sports or at least be physically active and get the benefits of that because it's played a huge part in my life. So it's just trying to get them to get those same benefits. Yeah, well, I, I had written down, I was like, I'm going to ask and talk about female sports in the latter half. But now that we're on it, let's just stay on this because I could go on about it all day. Um, I've been having so <laughs> I know, many you're always commenting on all the stuff. Like this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been having so many rants and conversations with different people and just like connecting with more female athletes over this whole quarantine because um, yeah, like I experienced, I posted something on TikTok, like at the start of this quarantine about female sports and how it made me up, like, yeah, like it, it like keeps me up at night thinking that a lot of females that grow up, like my dad would tell me, oh, you want to be in the NFL? You can do it. And I'm like, okay. Like I just yeah. believed I could do all these things because they told me. And then as you grow older, you realize there's actually not that opportunity there. There's not that league. There's not these things. And so it just made me upset thinking like girls are still growing up. Like that was so long ago. They're still growing up without these opportunities. And then I woke up with thousands of comments. I think now there was like 5,000. I had to make the video private because it was just getting so much hate. Like first it was females who were agreeing, like half, half yeah. of them. And then males who were coming in like teen, oh. teen boys saying like, girl sports suck, girls suck. Like female sports shouldn't even be a thing and going on and on. And I was like, <sighs> and then like personally attacking me, which was totally fine. I'd rather people attack me than like these teen girls. And like, it was just so crazy. So that got me on this whole tangent. I was like, you know what, I, I like, if I have any mission, like to for me to do uh, uh, something about in the future is like, it's something about women in sport. And so um, yeah, I'm really excited to dive in because I you play uh, female hockey. And obviously, that's a big sport that's different than CrossFit, where CrossFit, they're fighting for equality, there's the equal prize money. But hockey isn't the same. What was it like for you growing up playing hockey and, and being in that position? Uh, I grew up playing boys hockey for like the first half almost like I started in girls hockey but soon into my like hockey career I guess career I don't know if it was really <laughs> career when I was young but soon to my hockey I switched over to the guys uh, boys hockey and you know you're, you're getting changed in a closet or in the bathroom and stuff like that and you know I really had to fight for my spot on the on the guys team like I at that age, a lot of times girls develop faster than boys. Like I was faster than the boys and stuff, but I was getting cut at first because they didn't want to take a girl and they didn't want to deal with that. Uh, eventually I was, you know, there were certain coaches that took chances and then took me on um, as a player on the team. And, and it was awesome to be a part of that. And then you switch over to the girls hockey after that. I eventually found myself going to school in the States and having a scholarship. And, you know, I had such an amazing experience at um, University of Wisconsin and we won like national championships and everything. And then you graduate from that and then all of a sudden you enter these professional leagues and you're like, okay, this is going to be great. But really as a female athlete, like you dread going to these professional leagues because you're actually treated way better at university. Like you're getting gear, you're getting, you're, pra you're practicing every single day. You're not practicing at nine to 11 o'clock at night, like what we are right now. And then trying to go to work the next day, um, you know, like equipment, insurance, uh, trainers access to facilities like you have access to all of these things and all of a sudden you graduate and you're you're going to these teams and then you get drafted but really you ask to get drafted to a certain team because you can't get drafted anywhere because they don't assume that you're gonna have a full-time job there and you're not getting paid right. to actually go on any team so it's these like these mock kind of fake drafts um that you have and you, 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 so I went to Montreal at first, but then after that, I went to Toronto and, um, yeah, it's just like, it's a reality check and it's stuff that we're trying to fight for right now. 
to get women's sports to not necessarily like we're not asking for the same salaries as guys like we're like that's not what we're asking but in terms of like resources and facilities and just like basic support like we just don't have that in a professional league um and then also obviously trying to fight for a livable wage is is important because right now right making like maybe what five maximum ten thousand and that's like maybe like a few players on the team yeah which would be like the olympia it's not yeah it's not really anything and really we didn't get paid until like a couple years ago (laughs) so there's a lot of work that get done so our pwhpa professional women's hockey player association is really fighting to get that professionalism in hockey um and to it for it to be a legitimate professional league yeah no i think that's so important and i think like what you said too about we're not fighting for equal salaries like at the end of the day like people were they were trying to comment like 13 year old boys and say like do you know economics and I was like I studied business in school I have a business like I understand the whole side of that and I know that like you know we're not women's sport isn't pulling in the same amount of fans and the same merch sales and all these things as as male sports like it's understandable but I think like in my opinion the change has to start from the top where if someone can invest the opportunities to at least make it a viable profession then girls growing up will stay in the sport because they know that that can be a career. Like you said, you know, a lot of girls in high school drop out because they need to focus on school. They need to focus on these other things. So it's the only way they're ever, they're ever, yeah. sorry, ever make money growing up or um, in their yeah. careers and in their lives. So that's not an option for them to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the NFL and I'll be set. Like, yeah. like guys do. And even in university, I'm sure um, for you, you probably had to focus a little bit more on schooling because you knew that was what is going to get you out of, out of um, the sport and, and into your next step versus males can be like, just get the minimum GPA to get by because I'm going to go to the show or I'm going to they, 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 they do one year of school and then they go professional or something like that. So no, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's way different. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're not seeing female sports a lot on television and in social media. Like you look at TSN or Sportsnet and they're getting better, but they're just not promoting enough of women's hockey or, or women's sports in general. Like I think maybe less than 5% of what's shown on TV is a female athlete. Um, just, you know, sad. And, you know, at the Olympics, at the winter Olympics, one of the most popular games that you get is the women hockey Canada USA game. Like it's, it draws in millions. And then, these girls come back and they play in these professional leagues and, you know, no one even knows about them. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, cause during the Olympics, the, everyone's like, where do these girls play? I want to go watch them after. And it's like, these are the leagues. I'm like, Oh, this is, you guys have been in my backyard basically for all these years. I never, I never even knew. And it's just like, there's no marketing. Um, a lot of people that are, that are working in these professional leagues, like are volunteers still, um, yeah. that, that's not acceptable too. Like these volunteers should be getting paid. Um, and just, there's so many things that need to get addressed. And I think that we're on the right path and we're getting a lot more support. And, um, I think the future is bright still for, for, um, female sports. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very positive that the future will be bright and I'm hopeful. And I think these changes are coming. I don't know if you saw, but, um, I think it was about a month ago, Kevin Durant, partnered up with um, some of the girls from the U.S. uh, women's soccer team, and they started a new pro uh, women's league, and I think they're starting with softball and volleyball, but it's like, it's, it's really interesting concepts. They're trying to go totally different, and I do think, like, 
female sports can't compete directly against male sports because you know if we're trying to say hey watch um don't watch the nhl on the same night you're gonna watch you know female hockey some people they're not gonna change they have their teams that they've liked their whole lives so we need to figure out a different way to market things and, and bring things whether it's player access social media the players being marketed better with their personal branding all these things they switch their season so they're during the summer so they're not conflicting with like the male season i mean now right. thing with the whole pandemic but i think the sports season this year is just chaos but <laughs> yeah oh yeah so it's finding good times if most of our fans are young girls and we're trying to get you know young girls and, and teams in the seats and we're playing at nine o'clock at night well that's past their bedtime like it's yeah or if we're playing at eight o'clock at night eight thirty, and then it's the same night that the Leafs are playing it's like you know you're we're we're not getting the right hours that we're playing like it's just like there's so many small details that are preventing us from really taking off as a sport yeah no I think those little things matter for sure yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with this this new league that they're doing I mean of course they launched it and then all of a sudden the pandemic happened and so who knows if they'll go forward I think they're even playing actually softball but with no coaches so it's like all these pro women players but they're like guiding themselves and then they have all this technology that's going behind the scenes for like showing I don't know like the the speed and all these different things that are going on so they're trying to do like these unique things with technology and marketing and concepts so that it's very different but yeah it'll be interesting to see how that works I, I know even I'm trying to make a conscious effort to watch more female sports and female athletes and consume more merchandise from female athletes because I think it takes that like it takes people making the decision and investing even just with their dollars or their attention into yeah, the future generation. People need to show up to the games or if it's on TV, like watch it, right? Like sometimes I just put it on, I'm doing other stuff in the background, but I see it's like a woman's sports. I'm like, oh, I'll just put it on. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like interesting, even like the marketing that you were talking about, you know, you look at tennis, golf, CrossFit, and all these sports that are getting successful for the female side. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of sexism in terms of like just like promoting your body and your you know you can see the shape of the athlete the soccer uniform versus a mm -hmm. hockey you know when you had a cage and all of these big sponsors and stuff like want us to like have a visor show our faces and, and it's like well no like i want to protect my my teeth and stuff like that um but it's just like they're trying to look at different ways to market us and, and sell us which is also an interesting part with um, mm -hmm. hockey because you know you don't see the face behind the mask which yeah, that's a problem for marketing. So it's about, you know, trying to find other ways that you can market these players for people to recognize them more than just like a ponytail or a bun behind their their helmet. Because that is difficult right. for the average fan to know, you know, who's who. That is true, and that that actually is an issue. Like I know, um, I know someone who's been active in promoting the differences between how the NHL markets themselves and like NBA um, and these other sports. And they are like even the NHL is kind of behind all these other leagues as well. So even then, to get the women's league up to the marketing par, I think the NHL it's on itself has its own challenges to face as well. And I think it does come a lot from just. One, it's accessibility to the sport, too. Like, it does take some money to get into um, versus other sports where you just grab a ball and go play. But, um, yeah, I think it is also the access to the players and, the you know, the commonality of hockey players are so humble. And so they're not, like, putting themselves out there and having these um, personalities and this, like, swag that the other athletes usually do and people gravitate towards. Yeah. So I do think that there's, like, there's a lot of things. It comes, you know, not just the leagues, but also the athletes themselves. That's That's very true because, like, there's just some like in like CrossFit, like a lot of times like people are like promoting themselves and stuff. And I always found it difficult because like 
in hockey, you just don't do that. You would, you would get chirped by your teammates if you start going off. <laughs> That's it. Like, well, what are you doing? Um, yeah. But it's like, like, I guess you play with your audience and, you know, at the end of the day, you have to try to market yourself and, and that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. It, I do think it's, it's totally that. And I do think that a lot of the teammate aspect is, is totally true. Like if the league itself isn't doing a good job, it's like, okay, well the players can, but it is, it, there's that like judgment within your team. You're like, I don't want to be the person blogging in the in the yeah. locker room. And, but I do think that like, if someone did it and they, they get the it chirping, it the would, yeah, it would open the door and it would help other people. Like it, it just, someone has to go through the, <laughs> the hazing of it at the start. I think it's getting better though. I think, there was a lot of like barriers before but people are definitely opening up more on social media and using their platforms much better than they were before so I yeah think that's really important and you need those players to be speaking up and we for female hockey like we need male athletes to be you know behind us and showing you know their platforms that they're they're attending our games and stuff like that so that's that's important. That's huge. That's why I thought it was it was amazing that Kevin Durant was putting a lot of the yeah. money behind this whole league because obviously he makes way more than any of the females he was partnering with. Um, and so for him to put his stamp on it and then someone else is like LeBron. LeBron is so good at, at doing that kind of stuff and like being an athlete activist. And I just think that's that's so important. I, yeah, maybe let's let's transition into like the whole athletes for change and athlete activism that's going on right now in so many different ways, but also in CrossFit. What are your thoughts on athletes, you know, they're getting told to shut up and dribble or shut up and do your thing. Don't talk about anything else. What are your thoughts on all that? No, I think that you need to, you know, use your platform and, and everyone's gonna be different. Some people are just quieter and just don't want to put certain stuff on social media, but if you're comfortable and you're, you know, you're educated in something and you want to, you know, tell your people or that, are, that are, or your followers, you know, what you believe in, I think it's so important for athletes to stand up and they're not just, you know, athletes who are dribbling or stick handling or lifting weights like we're we're much more than that so that's just so, so important that um people are starting to view us as more than just athletes and we're not just going to be told what to do and you know we we have we have a platform we have a role in the society and i think that we can really help create um, a lot of positive changes in the world and i think you're seeing that and especially when people are just you know looking up to these athletes like lebron james and stuff like that and um, it's just important for people to see that, uh, that, and I, I, I like to just continue to get educated on stuff. Cause if I'm going to speak on a subject, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, looking at both sides and I'm continuously educating myself before I'm speaking on anything. And I think that, right. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to just talk the talk as you know, it's, it's gotta be, you know, an educated thought and you know, your real beliefs. I think that's really genuine in, in people. Yeah. I do think that's so important because whether you have, 70,000, 7,000, or 700, or 70 followers, we all have some sort of platform. People who look at whatever we say or post online um, and take that uh, as influence. And, you know, people, there's even people with, you know, say they have even 20 followers on, on social media and they post their radical beliefs or different thoughts or whatever it is. They still don't realize that that's influence. That's like filling uh, like a small little like gym at your school with people and telling them your thoughts. Like people don't think about that, but you know, and then take that into 7,000, 70,000. So I do think it's very important to, you know, be informed and do the work before putting out your, your opinion, your thoughts, because it, it is true. Like you, you take the influence with, um, I guess, like with responsibility. Yeah. 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 So this, this CrossFit changes, I'd love to get back 
yeah, get the conversation back into what you're up to and all these things. But um, for those who, who might not know what was going on with CrossFit, there's a lot of changes with HQ. Um, there was like racist comments, there are tweets that were made by the, the previous owner, or the, the founder and CEO, and then he was boosted out. A new CEO was brought in from inside and people weren't happy with that. So they got in now a new owner who's buying the company and becoming the CEO. So athletes were protesting. They were all out of the CrossFit Games and now athletes are coming back in um, because we are, they are seeing the changes made. And um, what, what was your stance on these things? Like, what were your thoughts and how did it actually affect some of your training and, and some of the things that you were doing? Yeah, I mean, it was just chaos for a couple of weeks there. Um, and, you know, you would start talking to people and all of a sudden new news was coming out and, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I was disappointed and angered at the comments and stuff that I'd seen from our CEO, because when I, when I think of CrossFit, like I, I can't think of a more inclusive community than CrossFit in every, everything that, you know, we're, like you said, you know, you have equal play, we have adaptable division, we have all shapes and sizes and genders and sexual orientation. Like, you, you know, we're hitting, you know, everything and it's just such an amazing community and then you you hear that from the top and you know it just angers you and you're like where is this coming from you know mm -hmm. um but i you know i think the the affiliates spoke loudly i think the athletes spoke loudly and you, you needed people to you know speak i guess with their actions and and that happened in terms of the athletes stepping out of the games and the affiliates unaffiliating and um uh, change happened and it happened pretty quickly if you think of how yeah. big company crossfit is and to get someone to sell their entire company, um, you know, in a few weeks, that doesn't happen very often. So I'm very happy with the changes. Um, I thought, I think that Dave made, Dave Castro, who took over the CEO for a little bit, was making some good, um, some good changes in terms of scholarship programs for kids at, you know, at risk or um, just in different financial situations. I saw that one in, uh, yeah. where was it? Yeah, I forget where it was. Was it Atlanta? Yeah. The first one. Um, yeah, I think just addressing different issues because when you think about where CrossFit comes from, you know, it came from the military and police and, and you know, that's kind of like the training background. I think that, I think this personally, but I think that CrossFit didn't want to really jump into any political part and they just wanted to post CrossFit stuff and, continue posting, you know, fitness related stuff on their platform. But, you know, as, as you saw, that's not, you know, good enough. And we want to, you know, an, an anti-racist stance and make sure that, you know, our company is along with, you know, is on board with our values and stuff like that. And I think that CrossFit miss, missed the boat on that and they're doing a better job now and they're communicating better. And, I, you know, with this new guy who took over the, the ownership of, of CrossFit and CEO, I'm just really optimistic about, you know, the future and the changes that are going to happen. I'm already seeing more communication. I'm seeing the sport that's just going to, I think the sport's going to take off um, and more media and marketing is going to be invested in, in the sports side of things. And then I think that we're going to be more inclusive, even more inclusive. Um, right. I thought we were before, but there's obviously better that like more things that we can do and we can create more, um, racial diversity um, and other and other diversity um, in our community. So I think that we're working on that and it's going to take time, but it's going to take, you know, a lot of people just kind of giving out ideas and then listening to them and then, 
you know, coming up with a game plan on what direction we want to go as, you know, as a brand, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I, I've been trying to tune into like all the changes and hearing what happened because yeah, personally I was, I was like, this is terrible when it first like came out and then hearing all the things about the misogyny and sexism. And I already for like a couple years have been feeling, especially since he made all those changes with regionals and everything. I was like, how does one person like this is a company so big that no company this big doesn't have a board of directors. And yeah. like just the decisions that were being made and what I saw from the organization itself, I was like, it doesn't like, it's clear that someone who doesn't understand business or hasn't ran a business is in charge. It's like when it gets this big, usually someone's like, Hey, I hand it off to someone to take it further who understands the whole business side and can manage this big of a, like there's, there's so many stakeholders from the athletes, the gyms, the, all these things for like one person's actions to impact everything. So I think it was, it was a little bit like a matter of time where he could make any mistake on any, like any topic, anything. Was and it would have, yeah. And it would have affected so many people. And so, uh, I mean, it sucks that it, it had to happen to get there. I wish, you know, years ago he would have been like, you know, I built something great. I'm going to sell it or step back. And, and we got he, someone in there, but he did do, so many great things and you know and, and we're going to remember him for all of these recent stuff which are you know unacceptable and yeah. just wrong but he did do so many great things for crossfit and brought it to you know where it was at now um but it just doesn't you know you can't take away what he you know all, all the stories that you're hearing so you know i'm glad that he was able to sell it and you know sell it before the whole company went down um but i was just sad because you know we want, we want to take it out on Greg and not CrossFit, but I, you know, right. I, I was getting sad just to watch people like tear down the word CrossFit and like CrossFit, I'm not doing CrossFit, CrossFit's dumb. And everyone was kind of putting their anger towards CrossFit, which I get because, you know, he's the top, but I wish that there was like different ways to kind of, right. without tearing down our brand. Cause that, that's going to take time too, to kind of rebuild that, that name because people were just like tearing it down for a little bit. Um, but that's like the said, biggest, yeah. Yeah, that's but gonna be hard. And then I think I think it's only gonna flip around from here and, and get better. Yeah. No. I... And and I had I had faith in CrossFit um, from the start. I think that you know CrossFit's done so so much good for the community, so much good for myself, and I wanted to give CrossFit the chance to make things right, and they did. Like our gym you know, didn't, didn't de-affiliate right away. We wanted to let CrossFit make things right. And then if they weren't gonna, going to, then we were going to reevaluate and de-affiliate. But we, we felt that we owed it to CrossFit to at least address the issue with Greg when that, when that came out. Right. Uh, so yeah, and, and now you're seeing already the steps coming through and so happy with that. Yeah, no, it's crazy how fast change happened. And I do think, you know, the people who spoke loud really did force a change. And I know some people are like, well, is that fair? But at the same time, like, it's the same thing as LeBron speaking up about activism and all these things. Like, it's the only way that, that change, that's just kind of been the way that change ever happens in this world. And you, uh, you, you need those people to speak up and change wouldn't have happened if those people didn't sp like speak up. But I don't think every gym was in a position maybe to de-affiliate or you know every gym had different needs and stuff like that so certain certain people needed bigger companies and stuff to to take that to put their foot down um in terms of speaking up for other people because maybe they 
couldn't do it themselves yet. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Just think that not everyone's on the same, I guess, same playing field of financial stability of their gym, especially we're going through a crisis right now. Um, so I think there's a lot of other factors. I, I think people can be quick, quick to judge. Well, why didn't you de-affiliate right away? And it's like, well, there's, you know, again, it's looking at both sides of it and then allowing, because as a teacher, if there's, you know, a fight in the classroom, I'm not just listening to one side of it. I'm going to go listen to the other side and then they're going to speak to each other and you kind of resolve conflict that way and see what, what are the next, next steps. Well, it's the same thing here. You know, you have Greg Glassman that's doing wrong. Let's see what CrossFit's going to do with it. Then it was just like, okay, he's gone. Here are the next steps. So, yeah, I, you know, it's two sides too. Yeah, no, but totally. Greg's stuff is, there's no yeah. side. He's gone. He's in terms of de-affiliating and, and, and using your platform to step down and stuff like that. Like we needed everyone else to, to do it, but not everyone needs to necessarily turn their right. back. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally get what you mean. I think it was, you know, for gyms who have like, say like an NC fit or um, athletes who we have, like there's Dubai, there's all these other big competitions. Like CrossFit kind of isolated themselves. They put themselves on this island because they actually made all these things, even some of the training courses all like independent. So realistically, like, you know, even if the brand name that they owned went down, like the community wasn't going to separate. Like it was like everyone else who stood up, they're all going to move wherever together. So it, it, they, the power was, was kind of there, but it was an issue for gyms who needed, like especially smaller gyms who are like, oh my gosh, how will I get coaches and what certifications will they need for the insurance issues? Yeah. Like those, those were some of the things that I was thinking about. Yeah, that's tough. And then, then it was almost like a thing where it's like, you know, if you wonder if every gym in your city de-affiliated and you kept the name, I know there's tons of people who would say like, oh, I'm never stepping into a CrossFit gym because I saw in the New York Times that, you know, CrossFit is racist and, and they yeah. may not understand that it, it wasn't necessarily that gym there. That gym could be very diverse, but it's because of the brand name. And even though they just, it's $3,000 a year that they send away to this, um, to HQ, they really have affiliate the name with everything so then it was double-sided so like you said there's gonna be a lot of work for the brand to come back and I think there's also work where you know I think all of us are realizing that it's not enough not to be racist um, especially not those racist comments like those were not it but yeah. also that we all need to be anti-racist like we can say well we have diversity here but it's you know actively doing these kind of things and promoting diversity and inclusivity and I think the same thing goes back when we're talking about women's sport like people have to be actively use their platforms and and actively you know seek out making sports diverse and supporting female athletes so I think both issues kind of um, follow the same almost guidelines of yeah, how to support them it's just more more communication like we have um coaches meeting every tuesday night and we're and we're continuously talking every week right now about how can we create a more diverse atmosphere at our gym and we're trying to look at different local places that we can like do basically the scholarship thing and mentorship with people that are maybe um you know don't have the financial needs to, to join across a gym but you kind of give them you know coaching experience or they can shadow and um, you know, just kind of get more people involved in the community um, and get the benefits of it. But yeah, it's going to take, it's going to take time. And, you know, there's a lot of education and, um, and talking to people about it. I think the more silent that we are, you know, the less action that's going to be happening. And yeah, so it's just, it's just talking to people and keep learning on it. Yeah, totally. All right. So I have some, some questions about like your training and competition plans and things like that, but I want to give people a chance if you guys want to submit questions in the little question mark thing um or just in the comments uh type them away and i'll try to get to them and, and ask uh, ask them 
Um, so yeah, with all these crazy changes, what are your competition plans looking like? I know there's still tons of unknowns, but um, in, in an ideal world, what, what's your plan for the next year or two? Well, my next competition is the Mayhem Madness. That's in um, Tennessee in uh, actually in exactly a month. So August 2nd. Coming up fast. Yeah. Uh, August 2nd to 9th. So I hopped in on a team, on a great team, uh, right after the Rogue Invitational. So we, we qualified for that uh, competition there. It's a team competition. There's 12 teams. So that's the next thing on my schedule. And then right now, the games is in September. I'm like two spots out of being invited back into the games because I, I was invited. Then I got de-invited because we narrowed the field down. So it's just kind of waiting um, on if people can't travel or there's injuries or, and they're just getting a, a backfill. At this point, I'm training as if I'm going to the games because I would assume that certain people might not be able to travel. And it looks like Dave mm. Castro wants to put on the games regardless of whether it's a North American games or not. So I'm, I'm going to train as if I'm going to go to the games. Um, and then after that, it's just kind of waiting to see the new schedule for next year. I think there's going to be changes in the way that you can qualify towards the games. Um, we're already talking about the open coming back to February, March. So I like that, yeah. Off season for CrossFit after whenever the games would be. And obviously that's typically when school's back in session and hockey's <laughs> back in session. So busy year, but basically it's just going to be the same schedule for me in terms of school year, hockey season, and then the second part of the hockey season is like when CrossFit starts getting ramped up. But just finding finding out how I can make it to the games and then – looking at the competitions that will allow me to go there so whatever the season right. will be like, but i think we have to just wait for that um what do you call it like a player book or competition book yeah rule book. yeah they're always confusing but i think with the changes it looks like they want to make it a little bit more cohesive like i don't i don't think that you're going to directly go to the games from the open i i that's how i qualified last year that's what that's how i would have qualified this year all of my right. half competitions were canceled but like if the rogue invitational had stayed a sanctional sanctioned event then i would have been the highest placement of non-qualified there and i would have made it to the games i just obviously i didn't compete in the first half because i had my spot and i was like okay i'll take my off season yeah. play hockey but yeah so it's just kind of <laughs> and stuff but just go with the punches i guess yeah so you've been on some amazing teams. Like you, you were on a Mayhem team uh, last year, and now you're on like a stacked team for this event. Um, Sarah wrote in here, how did you find the team that you did? And she can't wait to watch you guys. Pacelli uh, messaged me on Instagram after the Rogue Invitational and essentially asked if I wanted to be on a team with her, Alec, and Street. And I was like, I talked to my coach, I'm like, because I was going to take the week after Rogue kind of off and then kind of reset for training. Originally, I wanted to compete at the Mayhem, but I couldn't really find a team. Um, I had a team at first, but then there, then there were some injuries, and then that team kind of fell apart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As it does. <laughs> literally. Um, but yeah, when she asked me, I was like, well, first, can I even travel to the States? And then I, I, I realized that you can fly to the States. Mm. But you can't drive to the states yeah no driving no walking but you can yeah it's weird 
And it says that I don't even have to quarantine when I go there, but I have to quarantine when I get back. Because the states are much more lax. I was just talking to someone in the states today, and they were saying like Fourth of July celebrations are pretty much on. I was like, what? That. Basically, Instagram, and that's that's how all of the teams that I've been on have been. So it's it's just kind of messaging people on Instagram and seeing if they're interested. I think that what happened is basically maybe Pacelli looked at who was already qualified for the games, and then looked at some of the next people online. I've met Pacelli a few times in competitions before. So I'm, I'm just excited to be on this team. Like, it's a, it's a really stacked team. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Different stuff um, to the table. So it's going to be interesting how we work together because this qualifier was individual, but that's way different than when you have a worm and you have to do <laughs> stuff together. I um, learned that the hard way last year at Strength and Depth. Like, showing up a few days before a competition in uh, London and you, you've one person you've never met on your team and then the other two you know, but, like, you've done no partner workouts with and the two train together all the time. Oh my gosh. Like eh, you, you think you're, you have a really good team and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, if, if we train for a few months more together, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely different. I love the team aspect of it. I think I've played a lot of team sports growing up, but I just, I like having a role on the team and then you kind of just, you know, if it goes well, it's awesome. If it doesn't go well for yourself, like you feel bad, but you know that like they're picking it up in certain movements and then you'll pick up in different movements and it's just, you know, you kind of just accept that you win or lose, you know, together. Um, yeah. I- yeah, it, team is a cool concept. I hope, yeah, I hope, like, after this whole pandemic, we'll get some more team competitions and team stuff going. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how they opened it up because before it was, like, you have to be at the same gym with all these people. Now these whole I, – I love the concept of super teams. Like, it's super fun, and, you know, you get different people together, and it's, like, a fun week and whatever. But there is – you know, you do see the value where these – there's teams that are, like, they all move to the same location. They all train together all year, and it's, like, whoa, they're on a whole different playing field. <laughs> Especially with the worm. <laughs> yeah. No, it's – yeah, you, you can't, like, you can have great individual, but you don't know how you're going to work together and the timing and stuff. Like, it takes a little bit of time. I think good athletes will adapt. Yeah. Like, naturally to people, like, around them. Um, but I, I also think it need, you need some sort of personality, too, to kind of be able to put your ego to the side and, you know, allow someone else to lead or so. It, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's different, but... <laughs> It is different. Like, I feel like I'm someone who's like, I value my independence. I like to like, I I really like competing alone, like the whole mindset challenge of like, it's only me. But then yeah, going into a team, I'm like, you guys know team, like I'm stepping back, like you tell me everything to do, because I've never done team like you guys know, and just yell at me. And that's all they did. (laughs) They just yelled at me. And I try to keep up on the burpees and move. There's like in mayhem, I already know, like, I I was watching a, a YouTube thing with mayhem and and I think Rich was saying that, like, the first event of, like, each two-day block has, like, a swimming component to it. And he's like, it's going to be a lot of swimming. And I was like, I'm awful in the water. And I met <laughs> and I was like, guys, I'm going to work on swimming, I promise. <laughs> like, but you, that's you, that's you fun have, stuff. You have something that you're going to be bad at, and they'll have something that they're bad at. But That's the fun stuff for the team, though. Like, you, you all are chatting in, like, a group before, and you're saying, like, that, that was that was what happened with, with my team last year. And it was, like, you know, one person is strong. They're, like, oh, good job. Like, I'll, I'll get a good workout for the qualifier that's strength. And then I'm, like, yeah, but just wait for anything else. Yeah. I'm gone. I'm out of here. The engine stuff, yeah. <laughs> and you're just chirping back and forth. Yeah, I, I do really well, like that. They keep, they keep going in the lake, and they're just, like, swimming away. I was, like, <laughs> all 
I'm, I just got into the pool today for the first time since, because now outdoor pools are finally open in Ontario. So I went to the outdoor pool here, but I'd rather skate than. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So someone the other day, I was doing Hillsprints and they messaged me for my Instagram story and told me that my Hillsprints look like a hockey player's Hillsprints. So I said, that's fine. Put on my rollerblades and started doing Hillsprints on the road. I was like, who needs to know how to run properly? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, my coach always says I run like I, like I skate. I'm like shifting. He's like, it's like, you're skating. You're skating. I'm like, no, I'm running. It's like, no, you're skating. Like, you're skating. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going side to side. I have no yeah. energy efficiency when I'm running at all. No. Oh, well, it's fine. Um, so, you know, for, for most athletes that I've spoken to, uh, their childhood, like growing up and playing different sports, really shaped, like, the athlete that they became, even if it's in different sports. How would you say, like, your childhood shaped what you do now, especially when it comes to athletics? I think my whole childhood was sports. <laughs> um, Same. I, I started with gymnastics when I was three. Um, I started walking really early and then as soon as I was walking, I was running, I was climbing like between the doors and then you jump from the top. Um, yeah, like I just was very active from the get go. And then my parents put me in like gymnastics, ballet, figure skating. And then that very fast went into hockey and soccer. Um, I did gymnastics until I was nine. Then after that, I had to quit gymnastics because um, it was just too much. It was like 25 hours a week. I have four sisters, so we're five girls. We all went and we all attended this like little French school and they wanted me to go to an English school so I could get picked up on the gymnastics bus. And I have a twin sister, so I wasn't going to like go in a different class than my twin sister. So it was just like too much for my parents. Um, so I went to Taekwondo. So did a lot of, so basically I always had a single sport, individual sport that was all year round, which was right. gymnastics, Taekwondo, then now it's CrossFit. And then I have my seasonal sports, which is hockey in the winter and then soccer in the summer. And then that's, so those are like my. Oh, oh yeah, we're back. Um, Sorry. Those were, the, those were the main sports that I played growing up. But um, like I, every single sport at school I did, like, badminton volleyball basketball track um like literally everything I, I just like playing sports and if I wasn't playing it I was watching it like I was waking up in the morning watching sports center with my dad and like yeah. being, it was like sports so it was playing or doing sports so it's just been a part of my life and I think that's that's what me, that's what helped me with, with CrossFit is um the fact that I never specialized in a single sport too and I still haven't right. specialized in CrossFit like I'm, I'm doing CrossFit more so right now at this particular part of my season, but like I've been playing multiple sports. So I think I was able to adapt more to CrossFit and it aligned really well with my value of not specializing and just kind of being a generalist. Right. So I think it's only helped me. Um, but yeah, I've just been sports. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel the exact same, like every sport at school. Do are, Were you like me? Did you like the beep test? Because I really like the beep test. Beep test was so mental. I did not like the beep test. I always was like, I always like, oh, how can I stop this? Oh, should I, <laughs> should I undo my shoes? I think I've never, yeah, people are always doing that. It comes in your head, and then, but, that, but then your competitiveness is like, no, you can't do that. You can't fake an injury. It's 
like, oh, I tripped on a slide. It's like you're literally just keep talking to yourself on how can I make this stop. But mentally, I would never let myself kind of come up with those excuses. Like my mind loved to come up with them, but mm. like execute it. Um, yeah. But I like fitness testing. Like when we would go to like Hockey Canada camps and stuff like that, like we had, you know, the beep test. We had another test called the Riot or Riot, a repeated high intensity interval training. Um, it was more of like a sprint test. They had like radars. They had bike tests, bench pull-ups, um, agility tests, like your typical kind of combine stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was always one of the top fitter people at any of my sports that I did. And I liked, I enjoyed the process of working out, like just going for runs and kind of just suffering. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you so find, that, that uh, like, 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 I like that. Like, I like being on the floor dead. Yeah. I found that when I did hockey-specific training sometimes or just, like, sports-specific stuff and or, like, more traditional supersets with kind of, like, a rest in between. Like, I wasn't sweating. Like, you, I might – I maybe was getting good stuff out of it, but I didn't feel like I was getting, like, a sweat on. Um, yeah. So I just, I just like the way that CrossFit training is. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's a lot of good things to be said about strength and conditioning. Like I know even like with the national team of snowboarding, they all hated CrossFit and they were always like chirping me because I was like, well, my, I guess my last season or two that I was getting into CrossFit and they were always like, why are you doing this? Like we're doing strength and conditioning, but they were doing nothing. And I was like, no, like I don't, like, I know I spent all day on the mountain, but like, I want to train, like I want to, to have this push in the gym too. Like I enjoy it. And so they were like, okay, whatever, do your thing. You, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I would get chirped by my teammates about CrossFit and just like CrossFit training and CrossFit's bad, yet mm -hmm. they were getting a lot of overusage injuries in their groins and stuff because a lot of their programs had a lot of like hip flexion stuff and hip flexion, flexion strengthening stuff. I was like, you guys are in this position all the time. You're sitting down all the time. It's like, stand up, do other things, like move around. But like, they just didn't like how CrossFit was. And it's <laughs> funny because now i watched some of the stuff on their instagram there's a lot of them that are doing crossfit and i'm like man you guys made fun of me here you uh, guys are right back doing it now and they're like they actually really like it so i think yeah. there was perception especially early on with crossfit that it was bad and dangerous and i mean some of it was like oh well, because i like, think it was very bushly but there was no organization my first open workouts it's like my snatch i'm blurry just like bend and snatch <laughs> yeah. oh boy yeah okay maybe i got made fun of for that <laughs> but yeah it's it's just interesting because you see you're starting to see the shift and people are really noticing the benefits of high intensity like hit workouts like high, so, so people yeah. are doing at 45 or orange theory and crossfit like it's very popular right now like group classes of high intensity interval training stuff um yeah but i think if you train at a high level like you're, you're still doing all of those strength and conditioning parts too it's not just like the lot of the day like like that we're doing you know yeah that's what people think they don't realize that we're doing like strict movements for strength and all these like we're training almost strength and conditioning for our sport yeah yeah and then those movements are sport-specific movements. Like in soccer, you kick a ball. In hockey, you skate. And you get overuse injuries from skating. Yeah. We do kipping pull-ups. We do. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. I, I think it's just a whole mindset thing with the brand itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that maybe yeah. HQ can help market that. It's funny when I see them now. And I'm like, oh, you have a rower. Oh, you have all of these things. I'm like, and they're doing like burpees over. And I'm like, yep. 
CrossFit. <laughs> oh yeah, my my first live of biggest CrossFit. Someone's doing like a deadlift in the gym. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, everything is. It's true. Yeah, my first uh, live that I did during this quarantine, I think it was the end of March, was with one of my friends. She's a X Games gold medalist and silver medalist at the Olympics, and we were roommates always in Whistler. And so she would take pictures of me training doing CrossFit at the gym because no one wanted like no one was doing any training, like everyone was just riding the bike or whatever. So she would like bring her camera, take pictures. Um, I was into CrossFit and then everyone was like laughing about CrossFit. Now she does CrossFit. And so I was like, amazing how everything just turns. And same with like summer hockey. I was playing summer hockey up until a couple years ago. And uh, all the girls are like former NCAA players. And they were always, my nickname was CrossFit. They'd yell across the, the ring, CrossFit, CrossFit. And uh, and now they're, a lot of them are doing CrossFit. So I was like, well, see, and, here uh, you go. Honestly, a lot of them. And I, I haven't met many, many athletes, especially higher, high level athletes who don't like CrossFit if they actually give it a try. Right. Because if they actually give it a try with an open mind, their competitiveness, they're, they're wanting to just get better. And it's like, oh, it's different stuff all the time. It's, oh, you're not good at this. Well, how do I get better at this? And it's like, oh, I want to get better at this. And like, I just feel like athletes, they all like it. They just didn't want to admit to it. For yeah. A long time. And, I was like that too. Though. And be a part of like the cult, but <laughs> we we all know you're part of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's the same. And I'm gonna check here. I think there's a question someone asked really early on. Oh, this is a good, great question from Kate. How do we deal with body image issues, especially in a sport like CrossFit? I think you could start off with that one. See, I st I still personally have some issues, like me, because. I look at my body and I don't look like a games athlete. If you, like I like me, I don't see myself looking like a games athlete. Like I don't have this grip six pack. And I actually wanted to do a post about that the other day. Like I see, like, I don't think I'm fat at all or anything like that. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But like when I, when I compare my body and compare it to the girls I compete against, I remember going to regionals and everything. And I see all these like fit girls and aesthetically are just like chiseled. And I'm just like, yeah holy crap, like, how did I make it here? Right? And I'm like, wow, like, it's, you know, but then you realize that aesthetic does not mean performance. And, yeah. you know, I always considered myself like the fluffy one on the field. And I'm always <laughs> with a shirt on. Like, if you watch any of my competitions, like, I'll never take a shirt off because I was just always like, self conscious that I just didn't have Katrin beside me with her ass. <laughs> like, I didn't take my shirt off next to her. <laughs> But like, it's, it's been like a working progress, I guess, but I'm doing a lot better with it. And I'm actually just trying to like, get out of my comfort zone more. Um, but I just feel like when you when you put in a lot of effort towards something, and you see the performance side of it, like, you know, how hard that you're working, and regardless of what you look like, like, you're just proud of your performance, you're proud of, of everything that you know, it's hard to put on muscle, it's hard to look a certain way. Um, but at the same time, like, I want to go out with friends and if there is chips or other things, you know, in the social gathering, like, I want to be present with them and not completely, you know, be concerned about everything I'm eating. Like, I'm, there's a balance to it, too. Yeah. Um, that might be reason why, you know, genetically also, I might not have, like, a freaking ripped six-pack. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's... I think a lot of, and it's, it's funny because a lot of people don't think that games athletes have body image issues, but we still do. I think everyone almost has like a little bit, but 
comp like you know confidence and just kind of seeing performance and and a lot of effort you know you slowly start to break down those walls and it's just nice to see other female athletes i think the more that we're seeing female athletes that are you know putting themselves out there the more confident that you are because if if you don't see muscular girls you become self-conscious too because like i would go to the grocery store in a tank top before and i'd be like like i, I know that people would be like looking at my muscles and I'd be like, <laughs> it's because they don't they're not used to it but the more that girls are proud of that and the more that people can see that it you know it's the norm it's like girls can have muscles and they can look good you know yeah um so i think it's just you know for people to it's visibility right you, you gotta you gotta see it because if you don't see it and then you look a little bit differently like you might not feel i guess the same way so yeah it's just it's it's not perfect for me i'm still working on it um but yeah so i think that's that's important for people to to share that also because i think that everyone thinks that all these games athletes or these high level athletes have no body image issues and that's not the case i think everyone right. has it some extent um but yeah it's actually something i'm currently working on to work out more without my shirt on and just to kind of be proud of you know all the effort and everything because at the end of the day aesthetics is not performance yeah and, that, and that's what i've realized is like it doesn't matter now when i go to comps and i look at them and they're bigger bigger than me or, or more ripped because if i know that my preparation was spot on and i can compete very well like i know i can beat them it doesn't matter what they look like i think yeah. that's important at the end of the day i think yeah i think you just become happier with yourself totally no thank you for sharing that um instagram is gonna end this in like one minute because it yeah. cuts everything off um <laughs> i ask everyone the same question at the end if you could describe your legacy in one word what would that be <laughs> one word That's difficult. I don't even know what direction to go. <laughs> it's, it's a tough question, but I think, I mean, being a female athlete, leading like the way. Me, yeah, just like a female athlete, like it's just a multi-sport athlete, I think is important because I think what differentiates me is how many sports I've done in my life and not specializing. So like, that's always important to me is like yeah. the fact that like, I've done a lot of sport and I'm still continuing to do a lot of sports. Like, it's just like, like I'm an athlete at the other day. Like I'm not a CrossFitter. I'm an athlete. Like I'm just. Yeah. That's oh, I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. I want to, you know, close this out before Instagram cuts it off. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, this will be up on my podcast uh, next. Usually I post it the Friday after. And uh, yeah, all, all great conversations. I love talking about female in sports. And, and thanks for all you do for inspiring the kids in your school. Yeah, it's awesome. Just want to want the girls to just keep doing sports and more leagues to exist for girls i think the more the better so awesome girls moving yeah all right well have a great rest of your week thank you you too all right bye if you like this episode please share it with a friend share it on social media tag me at natalie allport and check out my website www.natalieallport.com thank you for tuning in